Hi, thanks for being here today. I'm really looking forward to you listening to this conversation I had with Zoe Levine. Zoe is a movement professional and practitioner, and she is the founder of The Thriving Body. In this conversation, we walk through everything from the fascia and the nervous system to postpartum opportunities and things we can change in our built environment to support our bodies so that we can have pain-free movement into our 60s, 70s, and 80s. She's made it her life's work to understanding how to support ourselves. And she teaches people how to do it so that they can then do it for themselves. It's a great conversation. You might even want a pen and paper to take notes. Thanks so much for listening. listening to Inner Light with Ellen. I'm your host, Ellen Wyoming Deloy. This is the show where you get insights and information on coaching, personal development, and important issues of our time. If you have been with us for a while, please head over to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review so more people can find us. Lastly, if you haven't been there yet, head to my website, ellenwyomingdeloy.com, and be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll get tips and insights weekly, and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this one. Good morning. Welcome. I'm here today with my guest, Zoe Levine. Um, She is a movement practitioner. I'm going to call her a holistic movement practitioner, and then I'm going to let Zoe explain further what that is. But I'm really excited because um, in my work as a coach, um, when I'm working with my clients, a big piece of what always... um, seems to help is getting a little bit more out of the head and into the body. Um, when we're making big changes in our life, being able to be present in ourselves is an excellent way to move forward. And I'm a huge advocate for mindfulness and movement or mindful movement, or however you want to conceptualize that. Um, and it's a big foundation in my own practice, but I wanted to talk to somebody who does this specifically for a living and who brings this support to people um, who might be seeking it because it's not as intuitive for them. It's not a practice they already have. It's not something they grew up with. And Zoe is kind of exactly the person that I would think of to help people um, on a journey. I also know Zoe works with a lot of women, a lot of postpartum women, and I think that's really important as well as parents. So um, Zoe, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit more and telling us about um, how you practice? Yes, I'd love to. Um, So I am in Denver, Colorado. I've got my two kids. I am also homeschooling and working and helping people at the same time. And my practice came from I started off as a dancer and I knew when I moved to New York city as a young dancer, I did not want to wait tables. I knew that was really hard on my body and it wasn't interesting. And so right away I started studying personal training. I ran into that as a, Oh, wow. I get to continue my study of the human body and help people to move. That sounds fun. So I started in that realm in the fitness world and when I started working, just noticing that everyone kind of in the fitness world was, Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, my shoulder. Oh, my back. Oh my, you know, just injuries all over the place and not even the acute kind of ankle sprain sort of thing, but just pain. It was just pain with movement all the time. And mm-hmm. as a personal trainer, when we were just starting out, it was 
very much a world where you just avoid that. You know, it's like, if it hurts, don't do it sort of thing. Um, I didn't love that idea. And I didn't love that we were limiting people's movements. And again, I was dancing professionally and just enjoying and relishing in the body and movement. And why can't everyone feel like, (laughs) feel like this? And then like you were saying, noticing too in New York City, especially just people so focused on career and work and also in their head. And I felt like it was dragging them into their body in these sessions. And it was painful experience for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. When I first started studying um, continuing education, it was all about, well, what do I do with knee pain? Like, how can I understand it better? Where does it come from? Um, and through that idea, learning more about the fascial system and nervous system as more of the root of a lot of that pain, um, as opposed to what we were originally taught is more of a musculoskeletal system mechanics sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um And so I just dove down the rabbit hole of fascia and nervous system work. Um, I studied with Sue Hitzman, who created the MELT method. um, And that's one of the tools that I love using still today for to get into nervous system and to help people treat themselves. And that's the other problem I found with personal training was people come to me and would pay me to get them to move. And then that's it. Right. And then it's like they expect me to do it all and feel like I'm doing it. And I didn't like that either. Bridge immediately to the thing that I feel so strongly about. It's like when you come with me for coaching, I am here to be an advocate and an accountability partner so that you are able to take the steps and own your transformation and challenge yourself. I'm not doing the work for you. I'm here as a support and as a guide, right? Because it's about empowerment, because we have to take the power back for our change, for our transformation, for our transitions, and not have to keep paying people. Like you and I, right? We get paid to do what we do, but like, do we want them for two years or for, no, it's like, I'd like to see you for maybe three to six months. And then I want you to blossom and send me notes about how amazing it is after you've taken charge. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, I think one of the things that attracted me to the more nervous system focused work to melt in particular, because it started to show people how to understand their bodies. That was my first introduction to that idea. We show them how to assess your own body to see what's off and then to have the tools to be able to make those shifts and changes at a really deep nervous system level and fascial level rather than just superficial picture, you know, ideas of like, I'm just going to put things back into place mechanically and I'm just going to muscle it through it, um, which leads to more tension patterns and pain. So that was, I think my first introduction to whole body alignment, to how the nervous system works, to the fascial system, and then to self, it's a self-treatment technique. It's meant to be here. Let me show you how to do this. And then, you know, teaching people how to fish rather than just throwing them a meal, Um, And that's kind of where I took it from there. So everything that I've learned from that point has been that, can I show you how to understand your body better? Can I show you how, I think most of my work at this point kind of goes under the umbrella of modern living and modern life, especially in our culture is just not at all conducive to lifelong pain-free movement. It's just not the way, the way we exist in the world these days is not. So a lot of all of my work, all of the modalities that I use, um, 
kind of are looking to go back to a more natural movement pattern and kind of how do we, even though we still live in this modern world, like most of us are going to continue to do so, how can we support our bodies within that world? How can we tweak our environment? How can we tweak our daily habits to actually support a body? We're living so long, but Mm -hmm. we're starting to get pain so much earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see kids and teenagers that already have the patterns that I would expect to see, you know, in a more sedentary 50 or 60 year old. Oh my gosh. And, And even then, like these ages, you know, people are like, oh, well, I'm, you know, we're, we're in our forties now. And it's, we, t- I'm getting a lot of phone calls from my friends, as you know, from yeah. high school and being like, man, I feel my, broken. Hu- my husband definitely called Zoe like two yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he's not the only one. And it's because we're in that, that place where it's just like, man, and, and we tend to blame it on age. Like, well, well, I'm just getting older. It's like, yes, but we should not be feeling the things that we're feeling just because we're in our forties now. Yeah. We are because it, it makes sense based on the lives we live and, and how we do things and the habits, the movements that we've given up as yeah people, civilized people in the modern world. Um, and, but it's just, just a way out of it. And so I spend a lot of my time, yes, getting people back into understanding how bodies work and why these issues are coming up now after repetitive use of this or that, or after giving up certain movements. So, um, I have a few questions for you. One of them is, and so I've been doing lately, um, a a program that a friend of mine recommended to me called body art. And I feel like it's a lot bigger in Europe and maybe New York city than it is anywhere else. He's in Europe. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is great. But I have really, really enjoyed it because it combines so many sort of like dance and Pilates and kind of yoga inspired, but also, um, Eastern, um, traditional medicine with like the meridians, like it has a whole chi focus to it, which really resonates with me. But when you talk about the fascia system and the nervous system, I think also about the meridian and how energy moves around our body, because that has been the most therapeutic for me. Like I have gone to personal training to help fix low back pain after PT and I got stronger, which definitely helped, but the elimination of the pain actually happened when I started to do more movement that was softer, more intentional, more about this fascia movement, these sort of like diagonal cross body, really gentle movements. And I would suddenly be like breaking a sweat, super hot, not moving very hard, so gentle on my body and being like, wow, I feel really alive after 30 minutes of this. I love this. And so I want to ask you to explain for the rest of us, what's fascia? How on earth does that work in our body? Why does it create so many pain points for us? And then, because I know you can't like diagnose anybody who's listening, but what are some of the things we can be looking at in our built environment to support our bodies? Just kind of as a rule of thumb. Great. Okay. All right. So I first, before I dive into fascia, I want right. to pull out one of the things that you mentioned, that idea of going moving softer, which is a surprise sometimes for us. And I think one of the things that's going on a lot now, especially in the fitness world is bigger, harder, faster, stronger is better always. Like that's just like the thing. And so I get a lot of, um, I get a lot of athletes, a lot of, I mean, whether it's men or women, I get a lot of athletes that will come in kind of at the end, just having had it with pain issues. And I have to talk to them about like, are you okay with, with slowing down? Are you okay with 
moving softer and getting actually into your body because a lot of the really bigger, harder, faster, stronger athletes are almost pushing past that, you know, they're pushing past comfort levels. They're pushing their bodies really hard. And in that way, almost kind of disassociating in other ways and not really kind of being in there. Um, I want to talk about that so much, but we'll keep going here. (laughs) At least pull out the, I talk a lot about the healing process and typically that's not in my strong as a mother program for new moms in my alignment and movement makeover. We talk about this is it's just all going to be different in the melt work that I do. It's all going to be different. This is not bigger, harder, faster, stronger. I have to talk people down from, especially when it's one-on-one and I have my eyes on them and they're trying so hard. And I was like, okay, so let's zoom out for a second. This is not about trying harder. We're trying to find these subtle things and turn lights on in these areas that are kind of dark that you haven't connected to in a while. And it's not going to, you're not going to get there by brute force. And the same with thinking of breath, you, you work with a lot of this as well. You can't force the breath to change. You've got to kind of, I always say when I'm teaching, like, can you just knock on the door and like, and wait for an invitation in rather than kind of, I'm going to change in a punch to the face sort of thing. So I I invite in, in all my classes, I use that phrase a lot. Can you get invited into the tissue? So the tissue that I'm talking about is typically fascia, or you can say connective tissue. And that if you think of your whole body, um, if you were to get rid of your bones and muscles and actual organs and only leave the connective tissue in your system, it would still make the same shape that you are in, right? It would still, it's, it's a kind of a fluid matrix sort of system that surrounds all of your cells that surrounds your bones, muscle fibers. So all it's an interweaving web. It should be, it's a highly communicating system. So in a system that works well, it's really fluid. There's it's fibrous, but it's also fluid. There's amazing videos online. If you want to look at it, we can actually see that living tissue now, instead of it's um, in cadavers and, and doing that kind of research. It's the kind of thing that you would usually just peel off and slough away and get rid of um, as not interesting. But in the so past- for thinking about cutting a chicken breast, it's that filled oh, yeah, with yeah, white yeah, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay. just keep in mind, it would also go through and surrounding. Like if you think of an orange um, with the little fibers, so the surrounding of each little piece. It's, it's similar to that, but okay. And it should be this fluid communicating system. So, um, you could imagine a river where you bring, you know, supplies back and forth between things. Um, you could imagine another system where they have those tense, those little baby toys that are like little tensegrity balls where it's like little crisscross balls and lines and it can bend and flex. It's kind of like that. So it can have support. It's a supportive system as well. Um, And so it's there for all these reasons, the communication, the support, mechanical communication. So I know you'll love this sort of image because of the work that you do, but Sue Hitzman, the woman that created the melt method, she, I always love sitting with her because she's very science based and research, research up the wazoo. And it was part of the fascial research, research Congress when that first started, but also she has, she's very sensitive, intuitive hands. And she speaking of acupuncture and fascia. It's like, she can 
feels like she can feel the fascia and the movement of the fascia with her oh, hand. Wow. wow. And I, I have felt, I've done a little study of body work and I have felt similar things and ideas. And she feels like that's a lot of what really communicates strongly people to people. Um, the idea of how we feel and sense through our bodies. Um, it would make sense if that was the fascial system, the fascial system also, if we were to try to prove the existence of a lot of these meridians, like fascially, these meridians are extremely connected. And so you can, there's a lot of movement studies where they have kind of dissected out specific fascial lines. It's all connected in a three-dimensional web, but there are some lines that are more strongly, um, they call them trains. So, and it's again, a very similar to the meridians Mm -hmm. and, and when you're studying movement, you can see, so back to the question of, well, how does it affect pain points? So two different things come to mind. One is this idea that the tissue, that fluid system does get dehydrated through, it can be so many different levels, emotional levels, regular kind of regular stress, mechanical stress. So habits and the way we sit and move, we do, you know, if you've ever felt that idea of like, I just feel stuck. Like if you've been sitting in the same position for a long period of time and everything feels stuck and you need to move around, you know, I'm imagining like the day where I'm editing a podcast, writing a newsletter and responding to emails. It's like, I'm just at my desk for six hours. Yeah. And your body kind of adheres to that. Your fascial system is very smart, very wise, and it will kind of help to hold you and support you. So it requires a minimal amount of effort. And I do a lot of whole body alignment and there's a lot of patterns too, that we end up with our, just our standing alignment get thrown off because we have all these weird compensation patterns from sitting in places. Then we kind of get stuck and the tissue kind of, it's like lays down some scaffolding so that you don't have to, it doesn't take as much effort for your body, but then that scaffolding kind of gets a little bit stuck and rigid and you know, what helps that well, movement certainly helps to break. And you can feel that way. We do that intuitively after you've been stuck for a while, we move a little bit. Um, and melt is another way. So melt uses a soft roller and hand and foot balls. And we go at that tissue with gentle pressure. So localized pressure, it's like a massage, but again, how many of us can afford the time or money to have someone massage, you know, give us a little massage every day or even once a week, not that many of us. And And this is a way melt is just a tool that you can do on your own in smaller bits. Most days that doesn't take up a ton of time that can start to rehydrate that system. And remember if the system's hydrated, it's going to be more supportive. It's going to communicate all the things. So we're talking about, you know, you think about waste moving through the body. Um, You're thinking about communication of hormones or any chemical activity that's going on in the body that kind of communication needs that hydrated system. You think about happy cells, even happy at a cellular level, having being plump on the inside and having a nice fluid system on the outside. Um, And then just thinking mechanically for that whole system, if you've got one area that's dehydrated and stuck, that whole system is not working well. The muscles underneath and within are not working well. Um, And movement is inhibited. So you're not going to be your best self. And if that's happening, a lot of your other muscles surrounding are going to be overworked. And if they're overworked all the time, you're going to feel exhausted and tired and your body's going to be in pain. So a lot of these things, issues, dehydrated, 
dehydration in the connective tissue leads to compression. Often compression leads to inflammation. Inflammation leads to pain. So a lot of the mechanical issues have to do with the fascial systems. I really liked when you said like emotional dehydration. I don't know how you scientifically measure that, but I get what you're talking about. It's like, there, there are these other ways that our system is responding to it. And I'm not trying to make it a magical conversation. I actually like the science end of it. So it's like, how are we supporting ourselves so that we can be more expansive in our physical physical body to be able to like move forward into other things. And I'm just curious, have you seen that sort of transformation after working with some of your clients where they're suddenly living in their life again in a way that they haven't been able to? Yes, absolutely. You know, I always, whenever people start talking about mental health, mental health, you know, we need to help people with mental health. I'm like, we need to get people back in their bodies, back in their bodies. A hundred percent. You can't, you you can't cut it off there. You can't do it. It's all one system. It's all one thing. You have to address the body. And so the ways, I feel like the two strongest ways that I, maybe three strongest ways that I do it. One is, is melt where, so just to give you an idea of what a class is like, you start down, you lie on the floor on your back and you do a quick check-in. And I know you were saying, you know, some people have a really hard time with that body scan. It's like a body scan, but it takes the focus a little bit outside the body. So it's less, it's less scary. I think for some people that are really nervous about the body scan and it's things like, are your shoulder blades poking into the floor? Straightforward. You can get through it pretty quick. And then we do a few things on the roller that include breath, that include rehydrating and getting unstuck areas that are commonly get stuck. And just by moving like, and it's very kind of cueing a little bit, a lot of it's cueing a little externally. Sometimes I tend to cue very internally because of the people that I work with, but then we get to the end, you know, and after a few things and you lie back down and you notice, wow, my ribs are heavier to the floor, implying something is let go. Wow. I have more room to breathe or my breath is kind of more filling up the torso in a way that feels better. So, and there's so many other things that end up happening even with little, little bits, but what I want things like anxiety, for example, right? How do you breathe when you're anxious, short and shallow, often just in the chest. And it's different depending on what kind, or if you're nervous. So when you're talking about emotional, if you're angry, if you're sad, your breath changes, all of your emotions are physical experiences. They're not in your head, they're whole body physical experiences. They just they are, <laughs> they just are. So if you start, it's a, just a gateway. There are ways. And that's why I love melt as a gateway, because it's very like, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to ask why you're sad. You don't have to ask why you're anxious. You could, right. just, you could just listen to your body for a second in this very non-confrontational way. Um, and then start to feel different. And then when you lie down again, and your breath is more expansive, it is very much harder to feel anxious when your body doesn't match anxious right? There, there there exists that anxious feeling anxious is a whole body feeling. If your whole body isn't feeling that it's harder to get stuck in that rut of even thought pattern. It reminds me of how your body, like in somatic therapy, right? Your body holds so many of the emotions that our brain has like maybe shuffled off to the side or conscious or however like consciousness works, right? It like shoves it to the side. And you're making me remember this experience I had. Um, I don't remember the practice she used. She was like a physical therapist, but she did a lot of cranial sacral therapy and other methods, but she was just using like two fingers on each hand, very gently touching a point on my back somewhere while I was laying on a table and then a point on uh, my chest. And I swear she was like, okay, 
Um, I'm going to start to say numbers for how old you are when you're, cause she had me think of a thought about something and she was like, Oh, is it seven? And I was like, yes, because my body responded when she said the number seven and I didn't tell her what the thing was, but all of a sudden, like I had this epic crying fit, like sobbing deep tears of grief on the table. And I was like, well, I think you found where I had stored that. (laughs) And it just, it's so incredible to like have your body release the thing it's been holding. And I know it's not exactly what you're talking about, but it also is, it's all really related. Yeah. And people do occasionally get you know, that emotional sort of release with melt, it's not a requirement and it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. If you don't for sure. I didn't go in for that. It was unrelated. (laughs) But it's fair. You know, you know, people talk about all the time, how memories, emotions, they live in the tissues. So if you start messing with the tissues that can have an effect and maybe sometimes it's release, maybe sometimes it's just finding space. So you're not, you can move through that thing and not that kind of gets stuck. Um, let's get unstuck in like every sense of the word, right. That physically unstuck, the mentally unstuck, the emotionally unstuck with through the body, through movement. Awesome. All right. Well, you, you're just speaking, you've made me think of a few more questions and I still want to ask about, um, things we can do, but let's save that towards the end. Um, my next question is actually a little bit more specific to women. Can you talk a little bit about post like postpartum postpartum pieces. And I know that they directly relate again to like our mental health, right? If our body's feeling better, we're feeling better. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine, so if you've had children that, that, that period of time immediately after the thing that I have felt, and I think so many women feel or talk about feeling is feeling disconnected from their bodies, feeling, um, feeling sometimes weak or, or in pain a lot of times shows up. And if you think of that, the, the pelvis in general, this is our power center. So if that's feeling off prolapse is a really hard thing to, it's hard to feel like yourself when I feel like your organs are falling out. So prolapse is a big issue that comes up often after, um, after baby, um, feeling disconnected. So feeling weak or disconnected or incontinence issues show up a lot. And a lot of us, with unless these things are screaming in your face, um, like the diastasis, again, it often gets swept under the rug for most women. So there's this balance to be had of like warning and, oh no, and this is a thing and you have to fix it. And like, there's that, which I don't love, but there's also the information like, Hey, if you're feeling a little wonky or here's some things to look out for. Um, so I guess that's what, if I have just a few moments for a little PSA, Mm -hmm. it would be, it's normal to feel a lot of these things. I would encourage you not to sweep it under the rug. There's so much around baby at this time, you know, it's all, you know, take care of baby, 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 baby. And we kind of lose track of mothering the mother. And that's a whole nother thing. You know, that's a whole nother thing. And it's way more than just this physical level. So just planting the seed for the other thing that I hear all the time is a lot of doctors will just say, welcome to motherhood. You know, like you pee yourself now, every time you sneeze and you, you know, sex is painful and, and your organs are only a little bit falling out. Like they're a little bit loose. Like here's you know, the PSA like, for all the folks thinking about having a first child. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, that's it. Right. I feel like it doesn't have to be that way. It really, it really yeah. doesn't. And I just don't like hearing, and I feel like we're hearing it less and less. I think people, mm-hmm. and you know, especially I've watched things change so much. The physical, there's so many more pelvic floor physical therapists out there that are amazing and do internal work. So just big PSA, there is help out there. Go, don't go to any regular physical therapist. Don't wait to to get a referral, pay out of pocket if you have to. And if you can for just a few sessions to understand what's going on and understand what like scar tissue can affect things and function. Don't just live with pelvic pain. Don't yeah, that's the big PSA is don't just hide it under the rug and be like, it's okay. And that's the one thing I found the difference between working in New York city and kind of Colorado is so laid back. It's it's fine. It's so cool. Like it's fine. We're all good. New York city. The moms were calling me while they were still pregnant. Like how soon can I come and see you? I want to make sure everything's fine. And I just like, hold up, like you need to chill out. And then meanwhile, here I found it was like pulling teeth, getting people to be aware. Cause it's like, Oh, it's fine. I only, you know, leak when I sneeze or I only leak when I do this or, or I don't experience symptoms all the time. So my prolapse is fine, you know? And I was just like, or how about, cause it's not just those things, you know, I talk about in the strong as a mother program, all the tools that we're learning are great tools for movement, for longevity. It's not just about not feeling pain or not leaking. Those are benefits to doing the work and then getting that to last longer. Cause often it's an issue when women are older, right? My mm-hmm. mom would do a lot of that, you know, just it's, it's a sign of underlying other issues that we can work on that will leave you your foundation stronger for any of life's movement adventures that you want. It's not just about getting rid of this thing. It's about, oh, it's kind of a sign that underlying things aren't really structurally sound and the foundation's a little bit off. You're not broken. I am not fixing you, but would you like to learn about this journey that even into your sixties, you'll have these sixties, seventies, eighties, you'll have these tools of movement, movement skills, tools, understanding of your body to help you last longer. So the wheels don't fall off. You know? I love it. I've, okay. I feel like at this point, there are listeners who are super interested. And so I will just say, I'm leaving all of Zoe's contact information in the episode notes for this episode. Um, but you can also find Zoe at daily movement adventures on Instagram, um, where you're, you're like an occasional poster, but there's like, I, I'd like to be better. Yeah. I'm trying to work on getting better. I have a plan for January where there'll be lots of exciting things, hopefully, but you're always posting opportunities and going Go read the testimonials for the people that have been through these programs. They are outstanding. So um, that's beautiful. I think we're actually coming around to this last this last point. So we've talked about the fascia, like this better understanding of it and the other movement and how we can support. Well, just I think the understanding of like how the movement can support us. Um, for the women out there who have, or are thinking of having kids, but now I want to talk about just the general population. If we're looking at our houses, so many of us work from home now, right? I'm sitting in my home office and what does it look like to do, let's say three things. What three things can we keep in mind about movement and our body and our day-to-day to kind of help ourselves move the dial forward on our own health and longevity? Okay, great. So my three top things would be, and I teach in terms of these, like daily habits are always paired with each module in the programs that I teach to kind of string along. Mm -hmm. So number one would be take care of your feet. And here's a couple easy ways to do that. 
number one, one, one exercise that I teach all the time, it's called a calf stretch. We do it in other ways, but there's a way where you, if you roll up like a thick towel or blanket to a little nubbin, and then just stand with one foot, just the front of one foot on that little raised surface and your heel is on the floor. The other foot's just off to the side and the other foot can slowly walk itself forward. But if your calves, if the backs of your legs are tight, if that back line, that back fascia line is tight, you're not going to be able to get your other leg walked pretty far forward. Eventually, ideally you could step the other foot all the way in front of the one that's being stretched. And ideally you're just upright, you're standing tall and it's a pretty high lift in the front, in the front of the foot. So that's a calf stretch. And I would invite you to try it and then just hang out there. I don't like prescribing amounts of time. What amount of time do you have? Like stay there for a full minute. If you have a minute, take a few breaths if that's all you have. But then before you go to the other side, just back off, stand on your own two feet and note the difference between your sides. The side that you just opened up, you'll feel more grounded and kind of more towards the the heel, rather, if you tend to put all your weight forward or shift your hips forward, it'll just give your pelvis an easier chance at aligning back stacked over your ankles rather than so much of us from sitting patterns kind of hang out sitting on our hamstrings with the pelvis drifted forward. Um, so calf stretch and then any balls I teach melt has very specific patterning and a soft ball, and it's amazing for your feet. Um, but if you have tennis balls lying around or a racquetball or some other, uh, there's yoga tune-up balls, there's other fascial balls that people work with, Franklin balls, there's a million, but some sort of ball soft or reasonable and kind of just generally while you're standing, massage your foot, step on different points without overthinking it or getting super specific. That's a way you could start. Your feet are the foundation for everything. If you lose function of your feet, everything else up the line is going to get funky, including pelvic floor. Mm. So we start with the feet often, even with my pelvic floor work, low back pain. I often start with the feet. Um, there's so many things that just like, we need to talk about your feet first before we go to the thing. So that just love on your feet. One way to do it is to make sure your calves and back line is open. Another way is just with ball. Um, and having that, I talk about anchoring. If you're starting a new habit, usually it needs to go with something else. Maybe you have something and change your environment, right? So if you have this special thing that you're using right by your sink, for example, on the floor, ready to go, maybe while you're brushing your teeth, you do a little work on your feet or get that stretch. It could be paired with while you're waiting for your coffee to brew, while you're checking in with your partner at the end of the day, while you're making phone calls for work, especially if you're at home, you could create a little playground for your feet while you do some standing work. I love the idea of a playground for my feet. (laughs) Everything needs to be a playground. Yeah. Just a um, playground. Let's turn the house into a playground. Yeah. And texture, like being, you know, if you have a chance to walk, we talk a lot about texture, you know, some people make a little like stone mat. And so your, your feet are standing on a different texture. At the Chinese garden here, the stone pathway is intentionally for massaging your feet. It's, one of those I mean, people. Chinese medicine people, like they know this. Yeah. We yeah. have one of those too. I was shocked and no one uses it and no one gets barefoot on it except for me. Um, but it's there and it's great. Yeah. So it's all those things, any opportunity to give your feet a little weird texture. Um, I wear minimal shoes, that kind of thing. Um, I don't recommend jumping straight into that, but there's a lot of great body work and I can help people transition because mm-hmm. it's, you know, a lot of other things are funky and we can build up to that. But so love on your feet. That's number one. Number two is of some sort of variation of sitting on the floor. 
And so I, I realize most people when they're listening are not going to be in a position where they're just like, yeah, I'm just going to get up and down from the floor. Often what I do is tell people get down, you know, I just play a game with them. All right, get all the way down to the floor, get back up, get all the way down, get back up, get all the way down, get back up. And it's hard work. And this is one of the things they're actually, um, talking about the ability to get up and down from the floor is now highly related to mortality and like how long you're going to live. Um, so I highly recommend most of us, this is a movement skill that most of us give up because we never have to get on the floor as grownups. And maybe when we have young kids, we're still getting down to the floor, but at some point we just like, we throw it away. When we go to see outdoor music, we bring our chairs. We don't sit on the ground. Like there's just no time to actually sit on the ground. And I just want you to notice both the work it takes to get up and down. And then the folds that your body makes when you are, I'm like, I'm showing you as if anyone's going to see. I knew you were sitting on the floor. I can tell. I'm sitting on the floor. And so I haven't been as moving as much as I normally would. Um, But just to describe what I'm doing, I'm on like a cushion, a, a fairly high cushion so that I can sit kind of in a squat. I can sit with one leg extended out the other knee in a squat. I could sit with one knee out in front, the other leg extended in front of me to the side. That's like a million different stretches. I want to describe really quickly. Zoe is occupying a lot of space while she's sitting on the floor because she can like really move her limbs out and around. And it's not like she's like, I'm actually sitting on a chair, but I'm sitting cross-legged. But like, um, if you're on the floor, you can have your feet out and there's this like four foot radius around her that she's, it's like taking space. This is whole other psychological thing. I think at the same time with our bodies so that we can feel empowered and that we have the right to have the space. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, and most people, if, if if this is not something that you've done before, or it's not in your real house, um, ways to build up, like sitting all the way on the floor is going to start like, but my hips hurt and my back hurts because you're, you know, it's, we've lost that mobility in our hips. How do we get it back? This is one way. Are there times in your day where you could like, I will kind of do something like this when I'm folding laundry, where I have to kind of reach and stretch, like spread it out and having to reach and stretch and be in different positions. Also for most of us, even this, I'm on a bolster to get myself up higher so I can be perched up on my sits bones. Most of us can't be directly on the floor with, for long periods of time without that pain. So what do you do? You bolster higher and higher. My husband first started doing something like this. We had him actually on a kid's chair, you know, so it was still a chair and it was low. And that's the only way he could sit upright and still have his legs extended and not feel like he was gripping his back or his hip flexors intense. You know, you want to be, it's more work than lounging in a chair, but you don't want to be in that more work realm where it's too much and you're sore and achy afterwards. You're looking for a period of time that's not too long, that feels reasonable, baby step it and get high up off the floor and then just see all the different positions you could be in. I often work and do emails in these positions, like being on a low, a low surface, coffee table height, sitting up on something. And then just being able to move. So it's like, I've gotten a little mini yoga class in terms of physical work, not, you know, not the mental clearing or anything that comes with usual yoga, but, you know, like being able to move your hips around. Um, so the getting up and down the, and also just the ability of variability of movement is what becomes important. You get, these are more movement items. You don't get to, we're losing our ability to squat. Like we don't have to 
poop this way anymore. You know, squatty potties. PSA. Get a squatty potty. I know. <laughs> um, but you know, like we just don't have to ever be in this position. So move it or lose it. And most of us have already lost it. The good news is, would you like it back? Good. Baby step it. Make it comfortable for where you're at. Do it frequently in small bits. Frequently, frequently, frequently in tiny bits. It doesn't have to be work on your squat for an hour every day. It's just a minute. And we'll go back to being soft with the approach and inviting the approach in and allowing an experience of it rather than bulldozing it through. Because if your body's already tightened in these areas, bulldozing it through is just going to be more resistance and less success. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so just gentle, small, whatever works. I like to, you know, lead with curiosity, play. I just, if it's not playful, then just stop. (laughs) Just stop it. Um, You know, if it's torture, it's not what we're going for. I'm feeling Um, so motivated to restructure how my desk is now. (laughs) And so if you're like work, I love the dynamic. So it's like, you know, they say sitting is the new smoking. It's not just sitting, it's being in the same position constantly. So if you're always sitting, it's just hard on your body as well. If you're always sitting down low on the floor, that's hard in its own ways. So could you create a more dynamic situation in which maybe phone calls are standing with a foot playground? Maybe you can do certain things on a laptop down low for short periods of time. And then maybe for longer focus periods, you are in a chair doing chair stuff and you take breaks. Yeah. You know, taking breaks, there has been science to and research to prove that having your little five minutes, but find one, just do one, make sure you have five minutes or every hour at least to get up and move or shake it out or whatever you're going to do. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a big thing. So it's environment questions about that before I go to number three. No. Okay. So number, number three. three, then I would say is probably the idea of hanging from your hands. So one of the things that's definitely getting weaker generation to generation is grip strength. And the idea of hanging from, so I'll give you options for not everybody has a hanging bar or monkey bars outside their house or like a hanging bar in their closet. We have finally like a pull-up bar in our closet that we use in the house. Um, But just the idea of letting your body weight hang from the grip of your hands and the strength of your shoulders is can you see how most of us have given that one up? Like after you're done with monkey bars as a kid, when do you ever get to use that? Unless you're climbing, which is another amazing little fun thing to do. Um, so as an everyday habit, amazing. I'm not saying you have to do push-ups. I'm not even, or pull-ups. I'm not even saying you need to do your whole body weight at first. Again, it's not bigger, harder, faster, stronger. It's baby steps. So for most people, that means, If you do happen to walk by a playground, which walking, just walk, walking, walking, walk, 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 (laughs) walk. everybody needs to walk more. Um, but if you're walking by a playground, grabbing onto, you know, whatever bar there is and just like bending your knees and letting your arms take some of your weight, our hands are often, you know, our computer hands, if that's what we do are really soft and we have to build up the 
um, kind of grit in our skin and our hands. Some calluses going again. Yeah. Yeah. Building that up will take time. Then just the grip in general will be weak and not ready to hold you. Your shoulder strength will probably feel a little weak and not ready to hold you depending on what you've been up to. Um, and just that, the baby step of an idea. And then if you don't have a pull up bar, maybe that's a goal eventually to have something nearby that you could do most days to just kind of even hang from eventually maybe hold all your weight with shoulders down, but even just, um, such a great break to hold the back of a chair or the back of the sofa and let your hips kind of pull back, walk your feet back a little bit and let your hips pull back away from your hands, holding a railing. If you have railings in your house, the side of a door frame, you could kind of hang on one hand. If you hold the door frame and just let your body hang away. So you get that pull of the shoulders and that's a little bit, you know, it's less strength, but it's still working on a little bit of the grip and the, and finding this this space, the stretch that that gets you for your shoulders and for your ribs and for your breath. And then ultimately rib alignment is huge. And I can't tell you how important it is for like all the upper body things that people come to me for. (laughs) I just want to repeat one thing you said really quickly in case people didn't hear it was that when you do the hang to not let your shoulders scrunch up around your ears, but to really think about them coming down in a way so that you're not uh, compressing, I feel like is the word, but you're actually getting some of that stretch and expansion that you're talking about. Is that right? And strength. So if you're, and you can feel a difference, like you can let the shoulders pick up and then pull them down and feel the strength and support that that requires. Um, so strength and a lovely stretch both, but it's like, it's definitely one of the requirements for, you know, I could do exercises with people all day long, but if there's not these little tools happening at the same time, it just takes a lot longer and it's not as sticky. Like it doesn't, it doesn't stay. And having these little kind of easy to put into a day, mine is right kind of by our closet. So we can just, you know, walking back and forth. It's like, if it can create a habit of just like, Oh, I'm walking past it. I'm just going to hang. It feels nice. I'm not doing anything crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't have to warm up for it. I don't have to like schedule it into my day or roll my mat out or have the right clothes on. It just, it's, and that's the thing, like all of these things, ideally you could do in no matter what clothes you're wearing, you don't have to warm up for them. It's not, you don't have to make it a thing that you don't have time for. It's Mm -hmm. just, That's amazing. Zoe, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to sit with me here and um, share about your body of work. I think it's really helpful. I hope people have learned something from it. Um, If they want to contact you, they can find you at the link in the episode notes. Do you have anything to say? So the last thing and the only thing that I do that we didn't talk about, and it's like mm-hmm. the last good PSA or just a reminder. The other thing I do is I dance with people and I do these little movement adventures with music every morning, Monday through Friday. Oh, perfect. And recorded. The last thing I would say is whether you, you need some guidance, I'm there because I like the guidance and community and it's fun to focus on things that you wouldn't think about doing necessarily, but turn on your favorite song or any song, random shuffle and just move how your body wants to move. And it's kind of one of the biggest gifts you could give yourself and the biggest steps toward any sort of healing or toward connecting to your body is just, could you, and you can have the music on, just listen to what your body needs and how it wants to move and remind yourself that it doesn't have to be on a mat and it doesn't have to be in these straight lines and with any, there's no perfect form, no precision, no precision. What if you just kind of got gooey or angular, got your emotions out or whatever it is, could you just move with no rules 
and listen. And that will, that alone will change a lot. Give yourself five minutes. I like first thing every day for that kind of thing, that listening, that deep listening and getting unstuck from the night. Um, but that, that would be a really simple, simple, quick, fun. It's playful. If it's not playful, stop, (laughs) you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Even if it's like enjoying being angry, enjoying being sad, enjoy, you know, like there's some joy to that when you get to move through it instead of squashing it down. There's just, there's a lot of room for that. I believe it. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here today, Zoe. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Inner Light with Ellen with me, your host, Ellen Wyoming Deloy. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you've been listening for a while, please give us a five-star review so other folks can find us. You can also find out more about me at my website, ellenwyomingdeloy.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter so you never miss an episode and you're always in the loop. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you next time.